When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I think I said this last time I did the show. So I can't remember how to start this. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to the At The Hive podcast. Part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. This is Jonathan, and I am joined by Chase. Chase, welcome back to talking about Hornets basketball. I am elated to be here. Not excited, elated. The, the Hornets season is almost upon us. One, one more sleep, and then we're there, back watching the, the purple and teal back out there. It's, it's been a, uh, well, not a long offseason. It's been a normal offseason, which feels long. Um, right. Because the last two NBA seasons came over the course of what felt like two weeks. So. Yeah, Recharge we the batteries. We're ready to go. Yeah, we we had the bubble. Basic. We basically had like the NBA offseason started like on the day of the NBA finals after the bubble, and then the next season was already was delayed. So we've had basically the two off seasons before this one were like combined to the length of one off season normally. Exactly. Um, but it's been nice to get back to normal. Have the same like the whole routine, the summer league, the free agent frenzy, and all that stuff. Um. We don't need to go into a whole lot of depth. We've kind of talked about this in little bits and pieces, but the Hornets had like the, about the most nightmarish offseason you could ever have. So I think that's um, our having, our having still. Yeah, so <laughs> one, guess, one one to two days before the regular season starts, we are still having this. Uh, yeah, we, we the Hornets seem to be starting this new tradition where right on the eve of a significant NBA calendar event, a player gets arrested. Um, so James Book Knight was booked for. I believe it was DWI, right? Um, uh, I think so. It was like the the details seem pretty hazy so far, but he yeah, he was arrested yeah. uh, in his and, car in a parking garage. It seems, I guess, which which is an unusual. I mean, I guess if you're behind the wheel, I don't know all the rules and the specifics of that, but if you, I guess if you're behind the wheel, even if you're not like physically moving the car, that qualifies you for for DWI, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I I, I don't know for a fact either, but that does sound. Correct. Yeah, I think it's any if you're in in or on anything with wheels, like yeah, a skateboard so, or a bike counts too. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so that's bad. Um, now like not to belittle like, you know like, little what it is, but you know at least it wasn't. I mean I don't know what his intent was, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I guess right. Like he's just right passed out in his car in a parking garage, which is I mean. It, from, aside from the legality of it, it's extremely questionable behavior for a millionaire professional athlete. Um, right. Like, you have no reason to even be intending to drive a car while under the influence because um, you have lots of money and a whole entourage of people, I'm assuming, to help with these things. And also, like, from a safety perspective, just falling asleep in your car in a parking deck is not an ideal place to take a nap. No, I, I, think, I think I'd agree with that. And it's just, it, of course, like, this is something that didn't harm anybody else, thankfully, but obviously, like James Booknight is not going to benefit from the situation, and hopefully, he's doing well, like personally, and that's not something that led to this. And it was just 
a bad mistake, uh, like bump right. in the road type of thing. But yeah, yeah we'll we'll see. I guess what comes of it. Um, Nick Carboni from WCNC reported that he was at practice today, so we okay. will, so, I guess, see what what comes of that as the yeah. days transpire. Right. So that's yeah, that's not ideal. Um, like I said, I think it's more it's just another red flag against his decision making, which has come into uh, a lot of focus over the last calendar year or so. Um, but just like a series of bad decisions. So that's not not what you like to see right before the season starts. No, no, definitely not. It's especially <laughs> after the off season the the Hornets have had there have been more, you know, I don't want to say like distractions, but I guess negative pieces of news coming out about the team and oh, yeah. players on the team than than positive uh, pieces, I guess. So, yep. We then, we hopefully we get the vibes back on track here soon. Yeah, well, not right now because the other thing is, uh, it came out today, and this is kind of expected, but it came out today that Lamelo Ball is not going to play in the season opener, or it's doubtful to play in the season opener, and he might not travel at all. For the first for the first uh two games that are both on the road so um yeah just the vibes or i guess it's only one game but yeah he probably won't even travel with the team which doesn't speak super well of his availability in the days after the season opener so yeah vibes staying high yeah and i, I didn't even really think about this because i wasn't expecting it to happen but um another thing that happened today uh, PJ Washington did not receive an extension prior to the deadline, so he is going to be a restricted free agent heading into <laughs> next summer. So this is a contract year for PJ. The Hornets uh, did not extend him. Probably would have been something in the range uh, of what the Brandon Clark contract was for Memphis, which was a four-year, $52 million deal. So um, who knows if he plays himself into something bigger, or I can't imagine it'd get any smaller but um, unless yeah. he gets hurt or something. but. Yeah, we'll have to I'm see not, how that plays out. I'm not super. I'm not. I don't. I don't have any like positive or ne- negative reaction to that. Um, I think that's pretty far for the course. Like there yeah. are plenty of other significant contributors that uh on the same rookie deal that didn't get extensions. It's just one of the. It's it's kind of one of those things where uh if you haven't like played out a max level and you feel like you know you're probably not going to take the contract that you're offered as on that rookie extension because you're trying to you're going to bet on yourself especially you know it's only your fourth year and then a player like PJ Washington has a a door open for him to increase his value yep, so exactly. I, it'd be very hard to give him him on a deal that both sides agree on before he hits free agency right and i i was you're you're exactly right that not everybody gets these types of deal done i, I was thinking the a good not comparison but somebody that also didn't get their deal done with their respective teams Grant Williams and he has yeah, uh, an opportunity con- to contribute a little bit more this the start of the season with Robert Williams out for Boston. He's also pretty good. Uh, would command like a four year, fifty to seventy million dollar contract. So, a lot of guys that are not max level uh, are willing to kind of bet on themselves. I guess yeah, would be Cam, the right term. Cam Johnson was another one. Rui Hachimura yep. was another one. By the way, I just was pulling up Cam Johnson while I was double checking that I was right, and he's already almost 27 years old that's crazy yeah that's why, he, he was that's a, why you don't draft seniors in the lottery yeah yeah i he's he had yeah he's i think was 24 when he finished uh school at U or unc i, I want to say he was a grad student yeah oh, 23 okay but yeah yeah because he's yeah he's entering the final year of his rookie contract and he's gonna turn 27 like that's not generally what you like to see 
from your first round picks. I mean, he's a good player, and yeah. the Suns have actually have made it success. But just like as a general rule of thumb, when when evaluating uh, players, when you're deciding who you kind of want the Hornets to pick and who you're trying to manifest under the team, um, probably like Ty goes to the 19 year old over the 22 year old. Um, yep. But uh, I guess to shift our focus to stuff on the court, um, the preseason has come and gone. Uh, it went about as poorly as a preseason can go. Um, I wrote about it a couple, a few days ago or last week, and there's kind of like two things you can do with the preseason. If it goes well, you can, you know, you always go to the preseason saying it doesn't matter. Don't take read into anything about the results or anything. But if the team plays really well, you're going to use that to be optimistic, right? Like that's all. Oh yeah. And then if the team plays poorly, then you just write it off as well. It's preseason. Who cares? Never matters. Um, when the team plays poorly, you at least say, as long as we stay healthy, we're good. And the Hornets, 0 for 2. Played really, really <laughs> Yeah, good. literally. And the best player is, I mean, he's not badly hurt. but And their best player is uh, also hurt. So uh, I think we can call the preseason a colossal failure on all levels. Um, it doesn't mean, still doesn't mean anything for like what's going to happen this season. But with how bad everything has been, going into the preseason the fact that the preseason gave us nothing to turn around our uh spiral into hornet space depression um is just kind of disappointing i guess yeah to to avoid that spiral what i've been repeating in my head probably two to three dozen times per day is just that it's like uh if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to hear it does it make a sound if <laughs> you lose all five games in the preseason but Three days later, those five losses are erased. Did they really even happen? I don't know. No. The, right now, the Hornets are 0-0. I, you, can't, you can't tell me for sure that they have lost five games in a row because, I don't it, know, they didn't count. count. Yep. It so, doesn't even count. That, so that, that's, I, how, that's how you cope right there, I think. Yeah, I should have done some more research. I could have, I would have, I could have cherry-picked like a, a good team from a random season and been like, you know, this is uh, uh, yeah. this team went zero and five in the preseason, and they won the championship. But I'm I can't find one. I mean, last um, year they had that game against the Mavericks where they were down by like 115 points at one at one time. Yeah, I mean, not <laughs> not actually. I think it was like literally like 70. Yeah, they were. Yeah, though. they were down by 70 or 65 or something at one point. It was yeah. one of the worst basketball games I think that's ever been played. It, um, it it's up there. It's up there. Yeah, they lost by uh, 68 points. Okay, there we go. <laughs> kept it, I mean, you kept it under 70. What, People would talk what, about it more if it was a 70-point loss. So I mean, I don't know. when. I mean, I know it's a preseason game, but like pulling up a box score and seeing a 59 as a final score for an NBA team is, is wild. Yeah, right. Like that should, like the Syracuse Royals should be scoring 59 points, not right. the, the 2022 <laughs> Charlotte Hornets. Right, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, they were trailing by 70 at one point, but... Uh, Scotty Lewis made some free throws to to, to seal the under 70 point defeat. Um, but yeah, I, anyway, for things that are relevant, the preseason, I think, because of the poor play in, in all, in all kind of didn't give us a whole lot to talk about in that front. But I think a couple of the things that I thought, and you can add what your thoughts are as well. Uh, LaMelo Ball looks like he's trying to be more aggressive as a scorer, which is good because as good as he is, he still sometimes I feel like kind of doesn't he he gets like a def he becomes a little deferential like tries to fit in and it's nice to see him being more aggressive as a scorer um 
and then the other thing I took away from it is Nick Richards was looked really good. Yeah, Nick Nick has especially has been awesome. I think he, I mean Steve Clifford has talked about him. Fans have been talking about him. People in the media have uh, written about him and given him like pretty glowing praise so far. Uh, I'm I'm super excited for Nick Richards, and it's kind of like not necessarily Nick himself, but like Steve Clifford. And for all the grief he gets about not playing young players, he's doing exactly what people were clamoring for over the last two seasons. Like he is right away giving one of these young centers like guaranteed minutes, like in at media day before they had even practiced. He was like, yep, Nick Richards is our backup center. So obviously that means like somebody like Mark Williams or Kai Jones or JT Thor is going to get a chance to be the backup center or even the starter if they prove themselves capable of that when the time comes. So that, that is definitely a positive sign, not only like for Nick and his play, because he's been really good, but for the other guys, like so when they're good, they're going to get on the court. Like, it's not like right. you're, you're playing to a specific like style. Like you don't have 25 minutes or whatever of PJ playing center every game. If you have Mark Williams to protect the rim, if you have Nick Richards or whatever, and you can play 48 minutes with a guy that's seven feet and can block shots and rebound, especially on a cliff team, like he's going to do that. So, yeah. well, I, I think that's going to happen sooner or later. And, and Nick is the the catalyst for it all. So good yeah, for him. Yeah. And I think, and I, I've always thought that, not always, because I kind of probably bought into it more in live, but kind of looking back, I think the Steve Clifford doesn't play young guys trope is overblown. Yeah. He um, didn't play Malik Monk, but, but that, that was right. He didn't play Malik basically Monk. it. <laughs> yeah. Cause, but he's like, Dwayne Bacon and PJ Washington were like starting. At different yeah. Yeah. PJ started when over yeah, Marvin Harrison. Williams on opening yeah. night. <laughs> Right. And PJ Harrison, both PJs. He loves PJs, clearly. Or the Hornets love PJs. So. Yeah, PJ, yeah, but like, yeah, so and and then also for better or worse, the Hornets teams under Clifford have been trying to win games and teams like that are always playing their players that win them games. Um But yeah, Nick Richards, but to your point, Nick Richards being kind of tabbed as the, the backup center means one, like that it you know players can earn their way in and also it kind of leaves the door open more right for the other guys because it's not like they're bringing in a Rashawn Holmes or other veteran center that's gonna basically be pencil or like written in stone or carved in stone as the backup or starter with Mason Plumlee as the backup so it's like a very wide open position battle um other than that did you have any other kind of big takeaways from the preseason and as a whole um, I agree with the, the stuff you said about Lamella too. He's definitely been more aggressive hunting his own shot, which not only is good to see for his development personally, but the Hornets are going to need that like a lot. Yeah. I, uh, they're like, I, they're going to need a lot of nights where he takes 20 shots, 25 shots. And that's, that's fine. Like he doesn't even need to be efficient with them every time. Like he just needs to assert himself because there's no way the Hornets are offense is going to be like believable almost if he doesn't because it's like okay like go ahead Lamelo pass um to Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward and then other than that like the defense is going to live with whatever they get so yeah I'm, yeah, I was I excited see, to see that I want to see him shooting like 10 10 or 11 threes a game too oh yeah he should he yeah he's got like he's I feel like he should get free reign from for like Dame Lillard range because it right. seems like he has the ability and like the touch from that range to be able to just stop and pull up off the dribble and just launch from above the break. So I, 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 he should get, just get the ultimate green light that, um, turnaround. I get, yeah. Turnaround like fadeaway. He hit 
at the free throw line against Indiana, he like, okay, I, yeah, all right, I just pulled it up. So he's at the above the break. He takes like a couple hard dribbles right at Isaiah Jackson, plants his right mm-hmm. foot and spins and turns around and hits the smoothest looking turnaround that I've ever seen him hit. If he can do that, like once every game or two, like, and just keep that shot in his arsenal, like it's going to open up so much more. He doesn't need yeah. to be some big bulky six, seven guy. If he can shoot efficiently at all three levels and with the touch that he has to get those circus layups off and those crazy floaters from like wild angles and like 10 foot range, like he he's, he's going to be fine. Also, and yeah, and, oh, and you want to see him draw fouls, right? If, if, yeah, if yeah. yes, exactly. If there's I, anything I, I want, learned from, <laughs> I want free seven free throw attempts per game, every like, single game. As an aside, I don't know how much you watched like the the post practice interviews and stuff or press conferences. The amount of questions that Steve Clifford got asked about Lamelo Ball drawing fouls was absurd. <laughs> it was like such an innocuous comment that he made. We're just like, yeah, I want to see him shoot like two more free throws a game, and we're working on that with him. And everybody's like, oh my god, this is a story. I I think it's I mean he's been a not even not even bad I guess but he's been a that's been like his one weakness so it's definitely easy for people to yeah. fixate on it and be like well everyone said he was bad at shooting and now he's really good at that he's always been really good at passing and ball handling uh he's you know he's young so he's not going to be that good at defense yet what else is there to be good at layups right. um yeah. <laughs> and I mean he'll he'll get better at that like uh, it'll just come in time like it takes a while to get used to driving to the basket and then having Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Giannis Antetokounmpo come at you and put their chest to you and try to knock you to the ground. Like it, it takes hundreds of games to, to get to get used to that type of thing. Especially with with how uh, lanky he is naturally. Right. Exactly. Like he can get around. He's shown that he can get around players like this. It's just when they are able to stop him and make him go through them, it's it's not successful. But I think in yeah. time we'll see that more and more and um, all the comments he's, he's said over the summer or like over the preseason and training camp and stuff make it seem like that's something he is like consciously working on and knows that mm-hmm. like oh this is one of my weak points i could get better um yeah and i think he will i mean he's gotten his 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 development has been so rapid i don't i just expect him to make uh massive sweeping changes at like season over season for the next couple of years are you know sweeping improvements um if you have anything else from preseason, like preseason news or whatever, uh, before we take a break and then come back and talk about uh, our little quick little preseason preview, um, I think I'm good. Let's let's wrap right. up this this preseason that did not actually happen. <laughs> yeah, I I think we probably talked about it for too long. I think everybody's ready to move on and get to the <laughs> yeah. basketball for a little bit before that somehow goes south quickly. But anyway, we'll take a break real quick and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the At The Hive podcast. Uh, it's Jonathan and Chase, and we're going to talk about the regular season because it's here in about, in, you know, in a day, one more sleep, like you said, to start the show. Um, the Hornets tip off against or at the Spurs, and then they come home on Friday to play the Pelicans to start the season. Um, before we started the show, Chase, it's just like a big picture kind of preview to the season. You said the Hornets' win total has dropped or for the Vegas predictions, right, for the over-unders? Yes, it has. So <clears throat> originally, uh, like at the beginning of the – or not the beginning of the offseason, I should say, like after offseason moves have been made, uh, the midst of the offseason between 
you know, the free agency period and preseason, the Hornets' win total was 36 and a half games, which mm-hmm. obviously after they won 43 games uh, last season is a pretty substantial drop. Um, also, no, go ahead. Evergreen, it's just like Evergreen statement, like Hornets' summer uh, win total over under is 36 and a half games. I think you just say that every July. Yeah, yeah, right. Like every <laughs> year there has been someone saying this on, on a podcast as long as right. podcasting has existed. But yeah, no, I mean, the, it, it's already dropped from 36 and a half, which, which was probably two months ago, uh, to 33 and a half, which is the three wins isn't a lot when you're just counting 33, 34, 35, 36. But on the court, that's a lot. That's a big difference. Like yes. it, losing three games is, you know, someone very important wasn't playing those games or something like weird happened or whatever. Like, and that indicates that the people uh, in Las Vegas who, who do know things like this is not to be like, they don't know a a damn thing and this is way too low or whatever. Right. Um, Like they, they have Intel. They, they set these numbers for a reason. Um, However, they're like the general consensus, I think about how bad the Hornets are going to be, is is a little bit too much like Mm. they lost one contributing player that player was very good he was a borderline all-star um and i also to highlight i guess not that this is an enjoyable thing to say but they do have an open roster spot right now which one can assume that there's a reason they kept one singular roster spot open heading into the season um, when they could have just filled it out with a minimum contract that would be very inconsequential to the salary cap and whatnot, and then had a full roster every night. They're not doing that, which is, you know, like I said, there's a reason for that. But there is not a reason to drop a, a team from 43 wins to what is now 33 wins with, to, to hit the under. Uh, in <laughs> right. Wh- wherever you would want to bet that at. A, the, a, a borderline all-star is not a 10-win no, Swing no. Uh, most all stars are like, or not most. Some all stars are not even like a ten win swing. Like that is, what's a one eighth of your entire season? Like that's just yeah. a, a significant portion. But because I think people have ran way too far with it. Like Lamelo Ball is, yeah, he's hurt. He's expected to miss time to start the regular season. If he misses less than five to ten games, like it's not going to make a huge impact on their win total because in the last not like we said in the last preseason game you can't take too much from it they played very evenly with the Sixers without LaMelo so there's Mm. something there even without him there are good players on the team Terry Rozier is a very very good scorer he's one of the best off-ball players in the league he's an absolutely dynamite shooter anybody that's a good passer is going to be able to find a player like that because he's constantly getting open you know who's a good passer Gordon Hayward who in his own right is a very, very good scorer and can create shots at all three levels, which I think was something we saw in the uh, preseason as well. Uh, in the Philly game, That uh, I think he had like 17 points. He had a three, he had a mid-range sh- jumper, and he had a couple shots at the rim. Like That's what you want from Gordon Hayward, to create his own basket and be that release valve player that you need at the end of the shot clock or whenever you need a bucket after a, lo- a tough stretch offensively. Kelly Oubre yeah. is liable to hit 11 threes at some point this year. Like <laughs> the list goes on. Like there are good players here. I think people have gotten a little bit too far down in the dumps right. after what was a terrible, like five month stretch. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, I think, Ooh. I think Hayward is a big part and obviously it's easy to write him off because of the frequent health concerns. But I think people are underestimating how much of a, 
like how much he basically cancels out the absence of Bridges, right? Like, right. They're pretty. They're pretty similar caliber players. And it just oh, absolutely. Took a, a leap as a scorer, but I think without Bridges here, Gordon Hayward probably covers a lot of that gap. Um, right. Like before, Miles Bridges took that leap. Gordon Hayward averaged twenty points a game for the Hornets. <clears throat> right. So. <laughs> So we'll, we'll, I I think and and then you know presumably he'll be healthy to start the season when ball is out and you know we'll see how that all shakes out over the course of the season but yeah thirty three seem thirty three wins seems comically low and then the other thing that I kind of stumbled across when I was writing this preview of Steve Clifford and the Hornets as a whole and I don't think we paid any attention to it at the time because. I think everyone was over Steve Clifford and everyone was excited for the new coach and stuff. But you'd agree with me in, in saying that when James Borrego took over, he inherited essentially the exact same roster that Steve Clifford had the season before, right? Oh, yeah, for the most. And yeah, for the most. I mean, I, there were certainly changes, but they were all like end of roster stuff, right? Yeah, and like Dwight mm-hmm. Howard was the big one, but Dwight Howard also, okay, I don't yeah. think, is a difference making player. I literally right? forget that he played for the Hornets. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't well. But, um, <laughs> But the so, and this is just to me talking about the coaching kind of impact on this. Um, so with Steve Clifford's last season here, the Hornets were thirty six and forty six, thirteenth um, in offense, sixteenth in defense, and then this is a big one: eighth in pace. So James Borrego and their expected win loss quote-unquote, like, if you take their offensive and defensive rating, was 42-40 and because they were struggling with close games, um, which is more luck than skill most of the time. And uh, the next season, with virtually the same roster, James Borrego went 39-43, and so a couple more wins, but 12th in offense, only one place improvement in offense, and 22nd in defense, and pace fell to 21st, so 8th to 21st. So, that's not to say definitively that like Steve Clifford's a better coach, but that's a pretty substantial, like the offense was pretty much the same and the defense dropped off pretty substantially. So my kind of the way I'm talking myself into this in my head is that if we get that same sort of reversal with the six, because again, without aside from bridges, it's a pretty similar roster to last season. If we get that same sort of reversal based on system and principles, the Hornets should be pretty close to their win total from last year exactly that's exactly my thinking and another i like i think the fact that um the hire was like a retread and people have already seen what steve clifford does with the charlotte hornets probably doesn't help but it's not it's just not the same roster it's not the same style of roster like the best player on this team is better than the best player on any steve clifford team The the supporting cast is better than that like there's better the, young the, players to to pick from to put in the rotate. Like it's just everything is is slightly better, and he said all the right things too. Right. Yeah. I, I'll and, and then we'll not spend too much time on Steve Clifford because I think we talked about it a little bit, or at least uh, at different points in the season. But the thing I compared it to in the preview thing was uh the 2015-16 team that won 48 games and went to the playoffs was built very similarly to this team. Um. They had their best player was a guard, Kimball Walker. Their next best player was a versatile swingman. Like they had Nick Batum. We have Gordon Hayward now. Um, they did not have a post present center other than Al Jefferson coming off the bench most of the season. It was all like Cody Zeller took most of the starting spot. And so, like, this roster is built very, 
very similarly to that one. And that team and the team the following year did not run their offense through the post. Like the Hornets were near bottom of the league in post-up possessions per game when they did not have a post-up center on the roster. So I feel like everyone, because I see all the jokes where people are like, oh, watch out for Mason Plumlee getting fed the ball on the block. Like Steve Clifford doesn't force like square pegs into round holes. So I don't, so we're going to, the offense is going to be based around the ball and Steve Clifford said that. And the offense is going to be fast and the offense is going to shoot threes because that's what the Hornets did when Clifford was here the first time when they didn't have a center as one of their better players. Um, the other thing, I want to hear your thoughts. Does it seem like Steve Clifford is different as just like a person than he was the first time he was here? Yes. Like much more relaxed and much more, He and obviously we don't see him in practices, but he just doesn't come across as like rigid and uh, uptight as he did in his first stint here. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I feel like um, the perspective that he has as a coach has definitely changed after that year. Uh, he spent as like a consultant, I guess, basically mm-hmm. is how he uh, described it, I think. Yeah. But or with, with Brooklyn last year, I, that def- I feel like that definitely changes because you get like time not to like not even to like learn from how other people coach, but just to think about how you do it yourself. Like you're not right. actively doing it every day. So you're just kind of like you just have more time to reflect on things and then kind of self-scout that, a little bit, right? Exactly. Through that process, you're like, oh, maybe the next time I do this, I'll try it a little bit differently and see how that right. works or whatever. And so he, yeah, he seems like he's in a, a good place as a coach. Like you can, one would you think take... that not being the first choice of the job would be a little bit, make him a little bit perturbed, but it doesn't seem like that. No, but I also think it also makes it to where he's got nothing to lose and it's easier to do your job freely when like you're not even supposed to have it you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah that's true actually that's a good point <laughs> like it like if, if he had there's no pressure there's no pressure on him because everyone expects him to fail because he wasn't picked for the job so if he gets over the like the fact that he wasn't the first choice it's just like i mean what did you guys expect like you didn't even want me to coach to begin with like it's a pretty a pretty peaceful feeling i would think um i guess the last thing i'll wrap up with is like the actual two games that are coming up um, we got the Spurs on the road to start the season and the Spurs, I feel like the, the name on the, it's starting to lose its luster, the name on their Jersey, but it still always looks like something like, Oh, that's a tough game, but the Spurs are bad. I, it's going to be weird seeing them be like literally one of the worst teams in the NBA. Like they, they weren't good last year, but they're going to, I mean, not, I don't mean this to be like rude or whatever. Like, I think that this is Greg Popovich literally told people on media day, don't go to Las Vegas and bet on this team to win a championship. He said <laughs> right. it in that exact term like that. So obviously the whole organization is not expecting to compete for a championship or really even a playoff spot probably. So they might be like historically bad for that franchise. It's going to be really like they obviously have not been this bad since they drafted Tim Duncan. And there are probably people listening to this podcast that weren't alive when Tim Duncan was drafted. Right. So. Uh, and then and then they're gonna just get the number one overall pick. Yeah, right. They're they're gonna get and then they're gonna get one and get right back. back in. Yeah, exactly. And they'll be good again in two years and have a dynasty. And apparent because apparently that's just what happens in San Antonio. Right. Their starting five is Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan, Keldon Johnson, J- uh, Jakob Pertle. Right, like that. That's I mean that that's a very inter- interesting lineup of young players, obviously. And Jakob Pertle is a good veteran that's gonna like hold down that defense. But the Hornets. 
are a better roster than this. Yes. Not only their starting lineup, but their depth is probably better, more experienced. Like the the backup guards in San Antonio are Josh Primo, Blake Wesley, and Malachi Branham, and Josh Richardson. <laughs> Three of those players, or two of them are rookies. Josh Primo is in his second season, and he's 21. So, like, <laughs> they have a, an incredible – or he's – whoa, Josh Primo is 19. I thought he – had turned 21 by oh my goodness yeah he was like 18 before he he was he was i forgot that he i thought he was not okay i I he was 18 when he got drafted like he's as young he was like he's like as young as you can possibly be jesus i I think it's just because i wish people were getting old at the same rate that i was it seems like it's much faster (laughs) no when you're when you're when you're getting in your late 20s you start aging two years per year yeah i think that's that's definitely what it is but yeah i mean that that even further hammers home the point like they're they're going to be relying on players like josh primo to play a lot of minutes and you know it could certainly work out for them but the the, this is a a soft opening night for the hornets i think even though they gotta travel yeah on paper they should win um and then they come home home opener against the pelicans which is a much tougher matchup yeah uh and i think i don't know you know the only i think they get the advantage of the home court and you know the early season wonkiness that always happens but I think expectation would probably be, and I saw I haven't I didn't check is Zion Williamson back. I know he tweaked his ankle, but it wasn't he's not missing any time, is he? I think he's day to day. I don't think they've officially ruled okay. him. Um, Either way. Oh wait, no, six hours ago he uh, he will play in Wednesday's regular season opener okay. against the Nets. So Zion will be no available problem. against the Hornets as well. So yeah, I, I think I think you probably want to see them go one and one, right? Uh, and obviously, you know. This will all wash out over the course of the full season, but you probably want them to beat the uh, Spurs, and then it's probably a acceptable loss to the Pelicans. But I think the Hornets should get one win out of these first two, right? Yeah, that, I feel like that would be the bar that you'd probably want to set. Because I mean, not the Pelicans are good too, but hopefully that one being at home gives them a little a little boost. I imagine the the crowd at Spectrum Center. Will be pretty lively that night. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't give up on them yet. I know everybody's had a tough. Oh no, yeah, for real. Off season, but like let's you know, let's go support the boys. Um, let let them let them have a chance to prove everybody wrong before we all write them off. And then Hornets going a little mini road trip. Uh, Hawks, Knicks, Magic. We'll probably talk more about the back half of that. Um, you know, as we continue to do the show, but um. And I think we'll probably hold off until we actually have an idea of what's going on. The Hawks look like they'll be good, but I don't know. They're tough to gauge because of how good they were two years ago and how much they fell off last year with like the same yeah. players. So, and then they don't have Gallinari anymore. They do have Dejounte uh, Murray, which makes them incredibly scary in a backcourt. But um, I'll have to wait and see how that all pans out. Yeah, Atlanta but, will be a fun one, I think. Watching yeah. Trey and Dejounte. Kind of figure yeah, out how to how to share the point guard duties get, early on, right? Which is like two completely opposite players, almost, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Dejounte Murray's an oversized guard. I mean, he can shoot now, and he's become a really good offensive player. But uh, the archetype is like oversized defensive guard, and then Trey Young is the undersized scorer. So it's a cool, it's a cool combo they have there. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I think we'll wrap it up there. Anything else you want to talk about before we called it a called it a show? Um. Hmm. All right. I got to ask you. Yep. Apart from LaMelo Ball, uh-huh. at the end of the season, who are Hornets fans going to be looking at 
not necessarily as like the best player on the team, but or second best player who had the the best season. Who's your prediction for that? Uh, apart from Lamelo, who's going to have the best year? All right for the Hornets. He's going to have the best season in the NBA. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All NBA. I'm going to say BJ Washington. All right. Because, I like that one. because I think Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward can be the second and third best players on the team, but no one's going to like get hyped about it because they're the vets. So I think if PJ can average like 15, 16 a game and play good defense and make some plays, I think people will be like, be uh super hyped about that yeah i agree pj's got a great opportunity this year i'm 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 excited see this is like this is there's the hornets have had a bad five months but there's still things to to be excited about like can you, it's like, still a good team if pj get like can match the increased volume with uh similar efficiency to what he's already had like he's gonna score a lot of points per game yeah. he can shoot at an absurd level for a guy that's six seven and can defend the rim uh, mm-hmm. and is a, like a great passer for his position too. Like it's, he's going to be really good if everything works out well for him. So yeah. I'm, I'm super excited. For all the hand wringing, like a lineup, a starting lineup of ball, Rozier, Hayward, Washington, Plumlee is a good starting five. Yeah. With Martin McDaniels and Ubre coming off the bench and maybe Kimba. Exactly. Like, uh, there we go. We got to plant the seeds now. That would be so awesome. That would be so awesome. I'd be so happy. It can't not happen, right? Like I can't. I, he he got waived officially by the Pistons right. on, on Monday afternoon. So he is a free agent. The Hornets would be able to sign him for a minimum, and he's still going to get all of his money um, yep. from the four-year deal that he's on the last year on right now. So it would be a perfect situation. Do it, Mitch. Do it. <laughs> bring the, That would bring the vibes back. That, that would, yes, that that would, that would help would, a if, lot. If you want the vibes back. Kemba would not allow us to be disappointed in the way that we are right now. He if he if he walked into Spectrum Center and saw everybody pouting the way they have been for five months, he'd walk right out. So we we <laughs> if he if he comes back, we better we better whip ourselves into shape. Bring here. bring back Kemba for the vibes, if nothing. Exactly, else. I agree. <laughs> well, with that uh, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back uh, more regularly than before this season for that the high podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you Probably. later. Probably. See you yeah. soon. Ha, <laughs> ha,